welcome to another episode of our NCLEX review series. In this podcast, we continue to bring you valuable materials to help you prepare for your exam. Enjoy. Okay, what about Bell's palsy? What about Bell's palsy? What cranial nerve gets affected? Seven? Eight? Well, it's the face, right? And the facial cranial nerve is number seven, so it's a facial nerve disorder. The patient will have unilateral plasticity. They will be drooling. The mouth droops. They have a loss of taste. They can have pain behind their ear, and they can have an inability to shut their eye. A lot of times, that's a big problem for them. They have to patch their eye at night, and we have to give them drops for their eyes so it doesn't get dry. So eye and dental care, very important. We put these patients on steroids. We're not really sure exactly what causes Bell's palsy. We have a couple of you know, ideas and opinions, but we haven't been able to pinpoint it as of yet. We give analgesics and a lot of psychological support because the patient wakes up like this and they think they've had a stroke, but they're walking, so we know they didn't have a stroke. It's just their face, so we know it's the facial nerve. They want to know how long they're going to look like this, right? So the patient, you think the patient is going to be sad? Yes. Anxious? Yes. So don't forget the psychological needs for this patient with Bell's palsy. Is it permanent? Not always. Some patients get it and they don't get better. We know in the beginning because we give the steroids and then within a month we can see how much progress has been made and we can tell if the patient's going to have a full recovery or have a little bit of residual or a lot of residual problems. So that's Bell's palsy. What about ALS? Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Ooh, that sounds really bad, right? This is a neurological problem. It's going to affect the motor neurons. It's progressive. Your patient is going to die inside of about two years. You tell them they have this, now you're going to tell them that they're going to die from this. What happens? The muscle, the motor neuron, gets degenerated in the spinal cord. The patient will develop progressive weakness. The muscles will actually atrophy. You don't use it, you lose it. You ever see a patient with a cast and the cast comes off? What does that limb look like in comparison to the other limb? That muscle is going to be a lot smaller because they haven't used it in weeks. So it atrophies. The same thing with this patient. The nerve endings are destroyed. They're degenerated. So now these nerves are not supplying the muscle. They're not stimulating it, so the muscle atrophies. The patient is very weak. They start to have a hard time swallowing, hard time speaking. We give them steroids to buy them time. They need a lot of psychological support. Prevent complications of immobility and respiratory problems. But these patients usually die of some type of pneumonia. Okay? So ALS, it's a motor neuron disease. It's a degeneration. Please remember when your patient has ALS, yes, we put them on steroids, but we know this disease is progressive. So if NCLEX wants to give you one of the questions where you're, you're taking care of a patient with ALS, what is your primary goal? To get the patient independent with ambulation? No, not if you know this is a progressive disease and the patient is wheelchair bound, right? He's not going to be able to, unless you know, there's some miraculous miracle, the patient is not going to be able to improve. 
it's progressive, they get worse. Okay, so we want to maintain joint mobility. Okay, range of motion, we don't want them to develop contractures. Okay, what else? What else do we want to prevent? Okay, we want to try to prevent pneumonia, but the patient is going to get to the point, point where they can't cough. They're going to have to be suctioned. They're going to rely on you, right? Because all of these, the motor neurons, all of the muscles that it, it you know, impacts, it's now the motor neuron is gone. You lose it. So you don't have the motor function. So you're not able to walk anymore. You're not able to talk or make your speech is not clear. You're not able to swallow. Okay. Excuse me? Question? Oh, psychosocial problems, yes. What about multiple sclerosis? Everybody looks so somber and dismal now because we're talking about these neurological problems. I got to change the order. We have to end on a happy note because everyone's like, oh, I feel so bad. And now I get to MS and you're like, oh, you're killing me. Another disease, it, it can be progressive. Sometimes they have periods of remission. It's patches of nerve demyelination. We know that our nerve has what three parts? The dendrites? the cell body, and the axon. The dendrites receive sensory information. It's processed in the nucleus, and it goes down the axon. And then from the axon, here you have the terminal endings of the axon, and neurotransmitters come out of that. If this was a motor neuron, acetylcholine would come out of that, that fiber, right? That nerve. So acetylcholine goes to the muscle and tells the muscle to what? Contract. And that's how you move. With MS, you have patches of demyelination. And this green area on this slide, the green area is myelin. Our axons are covered with a myelin sheath. You need that myelin sheath to speed the rate of impulses. So the impulse actually jumps from node to node. In between every myelin, there's a node. And the impulse will jump. And it speeds the impulse. We love that. That's why you can move, you can talk, you can walk. We have myelin sheets. Unfortunately, when a patient has MS, our body starts to attack the myelin sheets. And now the impulses get slower and slower. So they have diplopia. They have tremors, weakness, numbness. They have an ataxic gait. They look like they're drunk. They have nystagmus where their eye is when you do the follow my finger and you bring it out and deviate the eye, it'll start jerking. And they have bladder problems. We give them steroids. We give them drugs, ACTH, um, adrenal corticotropic hormones, psychological support. We want to prevent immobility complications. Remember, your patients with these diseases, the ALS, the MS, these are diseases of the motor neuron. We want to prevent problems associated with immobility. Okay, and you know the problems. I don't have to repeat them already, right? Again. Someone said no? No, don't repeat. No, oh. <laughs> okay, myasthenia gravis. What happens when a person has myasthenia gravis? What's the neurotransmitter that you think of? Acetylcholine. We know that we need acetylcholine, we just said it, in order for the muscle to contract. You have an axon or you have your neuron, you have a synapse, a space between the neuron and the muscle, 
and the neurotransmitter goes through that space and then sits on the receptor site of your muscle and your muscle contracts. You're happy. A patient with myasthenia gravis, for some reason, they have antibodies or the immune system starts to attack these receptor sites and they block the body's ability for acetylcholine to get to the receptor. So if I can't put acetylcholine on the receptor site of a muscle, what won't that muscle do? It won't contract. You can't move. So how does the patient come into the ER complaining? Muscle weakness with activity, severe fatigue, ptosis, their lids, their eyelids, they can't raise them, they're short of breath, they have difficulty swallowing. So we're like, oh wow, you have all these symptoms. Sounds like myasthenia. So what do we do? A Tentalon test. This is an anticholinesterase drug because I know anticholinesterase, this, well, acetylcholinesterase, when acetylcholine goes into the synaptic space, it leaves because I have an enzyme that's going to remove it. So if I can give you a drug that's going to prevent that enzyme from removing the acetylcholine, the acetylcholine will stay in the synapse and maybe bombard the receptor sites and get you to move. So we say, okay, let's give you this drug and see if when I remove the enzyme and allow acetylcholine to do its job, will you start moving? And guess what? If the person has myasthenia gravis, when we do the tentalon test, they're gonna say, oh, it's a miracle. Oh my gosh, I can move. Oh, thank you. They're so excited. But you need to tell them it's short acting. They're going to want to, they're gonna want this drug. But we don't give them short acting, we give them the long acting. Prostigmin or mestinon. You now, when the patient is on this medication, you have to know the difference between a cholinergic crisis and a myasthenia crisis. So what happens? If the patient starts taking too much of this drug and they have too much acetylcholine, they will have muscle weakness again because now the muscles are being bombarded with all this acetylcholine and they start to lose their ability to function. So the person is having a cholinergic crisis. On the other hand, maybe the patient is not getting enough of the medication. If they're not getting enough of the medication and their respiratory status starts to fail, this person is having a myasthenic crisis, correct? So what do we do? Make sure you give the patient their meds at least 30 minutes before their meals. Right? Because you want them to be able to swallow, be able to chew. We don't want them to aspirate and promote good nutrition. This is what it looks like. Here's the muscle cell. Here are the receptor sites. Here's acetylcholine. Acetylcholine normally will attach to the muscle. It's released from the neuron, attaches to the receptor, and the muscle contracts. It's a beautiful thing. We love it. Patient has myasthenia. Um, myasthenia gravis, here's the nerve, it's still releasing the acetylcholine, but now we have the receptor sites being blocked with antibodies, right? The autoantibodies. So now the acetylcholine can't get there. But if I give them that drug, it'll reverse it and they're able to move. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and leave a rating. We wish you all the best in the coming examination. See you next time.